Welcome to Help from Future Self. Archons, welcome to Help from Future Self, the conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. I'm your host, Sydney, and I'm joined today with Blake. Hey, Blake, how you doing? Hey, Sydney, how are you doing today? Pretty great. So today we're going to be continuing our main burst support recap from the Bouncing Death Quark series they did about three years ago. And we are covering two more of the OG houses. And I'm really excited to talk about these because what they talked about really opened my eyes, but also made so much sense. Totally. And these are two of the houses that are not coming back, correct? Right. Yeah, exactly. So like we're kind of like putting them to rest by recapping these. Yep. They've had a good run. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think let's let's hop right into uh, Untamed. And mm-hmm. um, this is this is the house that in like in a nutshell, we can call them like the Amber Efficiency House. And and I think that's might have been a phrase I stole directly from them. Quintessential burst house. Yeah, totally. And I think that we talk about burst first because that that is them. So of the main burst support. Uh, roles, they they do burst the best. They Making Amber is Untamed's specialty, and they have so many on-play abilities. You, you don't really care about the long-lasting effects as much, and no. they do have some great long-lasting effects, but like the, the on-play abilities plus their key cheats, the key charge and Choda, just made them absolutely, undeniably a great burst house. Totally, and I mean... Especially in the Coda era, like they, they for sure embodied this more so than any other set. Maybe Dark Tidings is close, but it was tweaked in a more, I guess, thought-provoking way, we'll say. And I found that even when I think back to playing in Call of the Archons, like I would save all my untamed cards for the burst <laughs> to just key charge or chota and have a key right away if not two keys in one turn which is not a thing that's uh unheard of when playing coda untamed right absolutely and i think that it made for a lot of of solitaire games because people were just trying to get to their untamed in their deck so that they could like make that burst happen and yeah. they didn't really care what their opponent was doing yeah it also created i feel like a moment where you could be playing against someone and you playing against Untamed could have all of the shadow stealing and you could take your opponent's Emperor down to zero and it made no difference on that third key if they had the right Untamed combination. Totally, like, absolutely. So it was uh, very interesting in that regard. Um, but I want to kind of move on to support, if you're okay with that. Oh now. yeah, totally. Because the way they talked about support in Untamed, I really never thought about Untamed as a support house. But when they kind of listed it, I was like, huh. I was like, they actually are an amazing support house. Oh my gosh, I that is so interesting. I kind of took the exact opposite view from really? how they talked about it. Yeah, like the the way that I I thought about Untamed is that they're kind of they're kind of lacking as a support house because they're they're not really helping other houses to do the other houses effects. They're just like, okay, you first, go first. I'm so interested to hear what you have to say. Okay, the reason why I like it is because hunting witch, when you don't have everything, because you can only hold a hunting witch for so long. If you can protect your hunting witch to a degree, so let's say something like a the original bulwark exists and some taunt in some capacity, like one of those two things happening and can't be dealt with, and then you can it can set up your next house where you have all your creatures, like your actual main house, to be played out. It can be a crazy burst. And then I also liked the concept of basically the, like, um, was it Fog Bank? Is that the one? 
Oh, uh, the no attacking? Yeah, that one. Is it fog bank? I or think so. magic here. Um, but yeah, the one that doesn't allow attacking and then it just just the way it works as bodies on the board as well that are not necessarily potent right away, but they they kind of can have the the synergies as they go along. Like so I like them as a support in a way because of the the audible they throw. Because oh. their support by when they exist on the board they're such a threat that it's actually almost like a red herring compared sure. to what you may be actually wanting to do. Like sometimes I think it's fun to throw a witch of the eye on the board when you have no intention of using it. And there's such a psychological effect that exists with witch of the eye that sometimes you can play it, have nothing in your discard and your opponent will literally target it because they're so worried about what could potentially happen. Right. So it supports in the way that it provides such great threats that your opponent is thrown off and maybe going down a path that you don't care about and not taking care of the actual things you want to have happen. You know, it's so funny. I totally agree with that. I just also kind of see that as it's, it. I, you're right. It is a support. I, I guess I saw it as when a, a witch is out and it has its effect where like you get six amber on the next turn because it supported another house playing six creatures to me that's still kind of like a burst you know even though it's supporting another house doing it without the witch there that's that that amber burst wouldn't have happened but i do see i do see where you're coming from because something like the another card that they have that is an incredible support card is nepseed because that allows oh yes any yeah any card from any house to come back from the discard pile so I think that you're right. They do have support. I just think that they what they support is is the, bur- the ability still. to burst. Yeah, it still falls in the burst. Their burst support, basically. I yeah. see that. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's. I, I did a top ten artifacts thing, and I put Nepseed as the best artifact in the game, and I still Absolutely. feel like it holds true to this day just because of the omni factor that exists. It's basically any card you want to play again is yours is basically what that card says. At 100%. Any time. And it's so it's yeah. so like simple. Like there are a lot mm-hmm. of good artifacts out there that like do crazy things, but they're crazy and they're weird and you need to sometimes set up for them or react to them where Nepseed is just like, it is a it is a great and simple artifact to have. Yeah, totally. And just to be clear, when I say I found the support interesting, I don't think they're by any means the best support. I just found the way they do support to be interesting. And that's why I like I liked it. I was like, oh, that's cool. I never thought of it like in that regard. Good call. Because I like I have a lot of decks where Untamed isn't the main or the burst house in that deck. And it really for me is just like get rid of it. Like like get through the untamed, get to the main house or the the uh burst house and then like make the deck shine. And I think that when untamed is the support house, you can have more dead cards than if it is the main or the burst house. Totally. Now when we talk about them as a main house, that's when things get really interesting because they actually go from a burst house into a main house generally. Mm-hmm. Which is super interesting, unless you don't have the the witch combos, and it's actually just putting these these skirmish creatures that can last, and these bigger bodies. Like, I really appreciated the big twig comment they had about how you never fight with big twig. It's always <laughs> just a reap, and you get to stun and have that aspect where you're 
not only gaining ember, but you're also slowing down one of their bodies from doing something. I really appreciated that comment of Big Twig and makes me appreciate Big Twig a little bit more. Absolutely, because it is hard to differentiate their main from their burst abilities, but I think their mm-hmm. main has a lot more creatures, a lot more hardy, you know, um, mm-hmm. boards. And so it, it can still do a lot of the same things, like a witch might still be there, or you still might have key charge and choda so that you can burst to a key, but you need more of a, like a stand on the board for a main house to be the untamed in that deck. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Now, where has untamed gone since then? We can, I think we can say they peaked and then have been on a steady slide from yeah. that coda. Bit and of a I would say <laughs> they hit the bottom in Worlds Collide. Would you agree? Absolutely. Like when I was talking earlier about the decks I have where Untamed is in the deck, but the other two houses shine, it's a Worlds Collide deck. It basically yeah. has an amazing dinos and amazing logos. And then the the Untamed, if it were more of a burst house or were more of a main house, it would have been great. But it just, mm-hmm. the, the creatures and the abilities in Worlds Collide don't support Untamed being much of a house at all. You know what it is? They're they're a support house mainly, but the things they support you don't really care about. Yeah. They provide all these support things that are useless essentially, like the Deepwood Druid, like play deploy anywhere and it heals three and you can reap and heal. Like as great as that sounds on paper, it's it's quite useless. Right. Or or things that simply don't synergize. Like it you can yeah. have you can have a lot of cards in your untamed deck that that do a lot of cool things, but unless like the main house and the burst house need those things and they're not being useful and and untamed just has a lot of that Mm -hmm, totally i would agree now if we move on to uh, like aoa untamed is arguably very interesting it just is so lacking in the ember control it almost makes it a write-off aside from that like i i think there's really interesting plays really interesting cards in there it utilizes still the burst capacity it utilizes like support to a degree um because of it has, you know, they're everywhere, save the pack combo existed, which was a phenomenal little combo. Mm-hmm. And it just, but it just fell flat because it really needed a couple more of the Ember control cards. Like not having Mermook exist oh, in yeah. AOA, I think was a big loss. I think if that existed in AOA, it would have really changed the the way that house is viewed and provided that little bit of ember control that you're kind of looking for. I really didn't like feel the decline yet in AOA. I think because just the the quality of the whole set went down a little bit. So I, I didn't Right. So it was on par in a way. Exactly. So like the the fact that like they had Dusk Witch, like I felt like that the individual cards in Untamed um still gave me a lot of the flavor of what Untamed totally. should have been. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, I I do enjoy, I literally enjoy it. It's so much fun. It's it just happens when you get it with a couple other houses that don't like a logos Brobnar untamed. Just it just yeah. is. You're always hurting for that that ability to have key denial, and that's un- just so unfortunate because there's so many great pieces that exist within those. Aside from that, which has mm-hmm. always been, I think we we've discussed this in the community ad nauseum at this point, but it just <laughs> is what it is. Now, on to Mass Mutations. I feel like there was a revival in so many ways of Untamed in Mass Mutation. Sure, I can see that. For me, it's my favorite house in Mass Mutation because I love A, the Dark Harbinger. I feel like the mutant aspect was really brought home. The burst, like, 
it, it existed, but it was not as like, it just is here. It's like, it was conditional. So when you got the right combination, mm-hmm. they could really go off like the vault's blessing with all the mutants that already exist in Untamed. Like they have the most, I think, aside from maybe Logos. And so you could just do some wild things there. I think its and support then, abilities came back like in oh, in strength. Like Fandango totally. was, was yep. absolutely, like it is Huge. what the house was missing up until that point. I would agree. And then the resurgence- Mm-hmm. I thought it was like the the regrowth coming back, but as a two, like you could pull two things back and really set up your next turn potentially. I really enjoy that. Or even just your untamed, because there's so many good um, Ember Control cards came with the Pismire is one of my favorite Ember Control cards in that. And then Fandangle and Cephaloist, like all those, those are, I would still consider those support because you play them and they exist and you don't need to call the house again and they're still doing the work. And I think something that like, like a fantastic support, but also kind of a burst card reclaimed by nature, being able to mm, purge mm-hmm. an artifact, resolving its bonus icons. Like in Mass Mutation, there were so many pips on so many cards, but on top of that, it came with a pip of Amber. So like totally. it in general could have been such a good card in any deck. Yeah, I would agree. And then from there we have Dark Tidings, which I feel truly came back into the Coda way of doing things. And then they just utilize the tide to kind of add that balance. I think you have such a wonderful view of Dark Tidings and I love it. Like it is definitely one that I I don't necessarily share, but I love hearing you talk about cards in Dark Tidings and decks with Dark Tidings in it because your love for it really shines through. I don't don't think that Untamed Dark Tidings was not my favorite. I think I just in general, I think Coda Untamed was the height of of Untamed for me. But Dark Tidings did really bring back a lot of cool combos with the tide. Yes, um, I would agree. I mean, like Chelonia coming back is the new hunting witch, except you had to take chains potentially to make it happen. Mm hmm. And the the cool thing is you could get multiples of that, I feel like, much more easily than you were in Coda with Hunting Witch. Ooh, okay. And then you having the Witch of the Dawn was like a body that also brought back a creature, so it fed into the Chelonia con, uh, combo really nicely. And gotcha. Then, and then you also had things like in the support or bur- – it could be support or bur- burst, really – and I can't remember the name of the card. Reaper So, that one. So you had the choice yes. of adding counters or reaping with another creature. Mm-hmm. So it was providing that like support or it could be burst depending on how you utilize things. And the daisy chaining that can exist within that set, it was, I thought, really interesting. One of my favorite new cards in Dark Tidings was was Old Patty. And this was the one. Oh, totally. It, yeah, where it uh, the tide is high. Well, you reap, discard the bottom card of your deck if the tide is high, three, and then play each uh, creature discarded this way. So that could be manipulated incredibly well. That's an incredible support card. But mm-hmm. on that note, there weren't a lot of new Dark Tidings cards that I loved. I think some of the returning cards were fantastic, but the new ones weren't weren't really all there for me yeah i can i can see that i mean they they definitely have the more of a main house vibe i feel but it's not like an amazing main house mm-hmm. in that regard like the the youngest bear for example like that's a prime one because sure. you want to use the neighbor but you do you really care at the end of the day like i find sometimes 
they they took on the burst role and you didn't really care about the main house aspect as much. Yeah, I think that they also like they they did some good um creature control. Like their support is just all here. Like one of my favorites mm-hmm. was infighting. So yes. because if you knew you had it in your deck, you planned every creature you played strategically. Totally. And if your mm-hmm. opponent didn't know you had it or if they they didn't like plan for it, you you just it wrecked them. Yeah, it's so true. And and yeah, the the main house disappeared, but you're right. The support and burst was still there. Because I mean, even Reaper So still provides that support because it says ready and reap with the creature. So you can yeah. use it on something you just played. So yep. it totally just really doubled down on the burst and kind of left the other uh, main aspect, which could exist in Coda with the big bodies, not really there. Yeah. I think that is a, a great transition into Logos. Because Logos just had, it had across the board, has had such a strong theme. Like you think of Logos and you think of card control. So let's, we can start off in Coda like we always do, because that is just the the antithesis of, of everything Logos is card efficiency. And um, yes. the, the way that like library access came onto the scene, like, it being um, the like most powerful card in the game until it was um, eroded just made absolute complete sense because it was yep. totally broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. And I thought when they said Logos isn't really a main house, it was yeah. a pretty true statement, but y- you didn't think about it. And then like, cause you're like, well, you have utilized Logos so much, but then you realize, yeah, it's kind of always supporting or bursting though. And it bursts in the complete opposite way in a way Yes. to Untamed because it's, it's bursting to support other things. Exactly. Which is so interesting because, and that's why I think Logos is such a sought after deck or house in a deck is because it's going to provide the versatility no matter what you do. And one of the really cool things like, they were completely right that it couldn't be a main house. And one of mm-hmm. the ways they they like they verbalized it that I didn't really understand until they talked about it this way is that you can have a whole Logos hand or a you can have a deck with like the most amazing Logos house, but does it get you a key? Like, does it get you closer to getting a key, closer to winning? Does it get you any amber? Like you can play a library access hand where you end up drawing everything in your in your whole deck. But like if you can't do anything in the logos house or if it yeah. like the rest of the the other two houses don't necessarily support it like it is not a main house because it it really is bad at getting you towards getting a key on a logos turn and when you're playing those library access turns you don't actually want to have played any of your logos cards so it, <laughs> right. like, just, it's so like it's so counterintuitive to wanting to have a board and calling over and over again you just basically set up your other houses it's the setup house so you're gonna have a really fat turn in your like th- that's why logos untamed was so strong because you could get all those yes cards to then have that epic untamed turn and just go nuts totally and i think that makes it more of a support house than yes. a burst house because like it, bur- it, it does to support right exactly because <laughs> like it does burst but it bursts to support like if it's burst doesn't support another house then it's it's burst isn't doing anything like there i have so many decks with logos in it that I I'm just going through my deck and it's it's so much fun to like pick up an archive of 12 15 mm-hmm. cards but like if then my hand is clogged because the cards in it don't do anything or like I I can't like 
set up for something cool next turn or my board is empty. Like it, it just, it needs other things. Totally. And it's, it's, it's both a burst and a support house always at the same time. They're never not entangled, which I think is really interesting. Did you have any like favorite cards or creatures or artifacts or actions? From Logos? Yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, (laughs) who couldn't love Mother? Like it is, it's a great card that is support and it sticks. Like the turn one mother is like one of the first plays I remember that like that's a go-to. You always are looking to hard mull for your mother because of what it can do. I absolutely adore that card and Howling Pit as well. The card draw. I was, I'll, I'll take the softball that I threw to you, but one of my favorites, Help from Future Self. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fine. You're right. Yeah, no, I, I do like that. And I've been testing a deck recently i think that if i'm not mistaken it has that and um it was interesting seeing the use of oh no it was the one i was testing on my whale hunting and it was interesting like playing the other house and using the help from future self not as like specifically using it to put the cards back in the deck like it wasn't for getting the time traveler like it was to actually take some good cards you already played and throw them back in the deck so you get them again faster than going through your whole deck. Oh. Like using it as that sort of support, uh, I thought was really a cool way of, of utilizing that Hell from Future Self card instead of using it as a less recur time traveler. Totally, absolutely. And I, I think that's like some of the other hard-hitting like Coda support cards, things like Phase Shift, like literally playing a non-Logos oh, card. So or- good. Yeah, like remote access is pretty cool because it's one. It was one of the earliest um, artifact actions that didn't kill an artifact, but let you use it. Like there's very few yeah. out there in the first place, but letting there's you only use- nexus in that. Those right? Yeah. Well, I guess poltergeist, but you were using it and killing it. So right. Polter- poltergeist is the quintessential like artifact thing. Totally. Now, if we're gonna go on from Coda, I mean. AOA was, I feel like it kind of was one and the same. Like all the things that existed were relatively the same. There wasn't too much of a shift, I would say. Would you agree? There was. I I would give it a bit more archiving. I don't think archiving was as much of a thing until AOA. And I mean, more, like the roles, though, like the oh, way it performed totally. was pretty much exactly the same. You just had different cards doing Ex- the same thing, ex- and it doubled 100%. down on the support. Absolutely. I think that yeah. it it basically just amped up the the support with more mechanics like archiving because some of the and it, it was a bit also like more playful and fun because of the inter inter like combos like amongst mm-hmm. all the way away the the combos made some of the houses much more fun to play even though like totally. again it could lead to like my the, this card archives a lot and this card lets me play a card from my archives and mm-hmm. and then this card like sits in my archives until I do it but then nothing like big comes of it and yeah. so there was a lot of these could possibly be a lot of fun and not net me more amber. Totally. I just found also the one main shift is they became a little bit more of a main house because Ooh. you ended up getting more creatures that took on the role of an action card, but as a creature with a playability, it started to exist. Like we lost face shift, but we mm-hmm. got helper bot. And then we had the ZYX researcher so it was going to be a body then you had the hex beyonds which you could constantly recur so there's all these things that existed where you could have this board that you could utilize sure and and so therefore like i found like sometimes i would have those and they were interesting because you'd almost use them and then get rid of them in a way because they had that benefit of 
they could be there and you could just recur them in some way or you could reap with them and until it's dealt with and then stutterkin obviously suddenly made the main house possibility a little bit more aggressive where you need to deal with this or i'm just going to reap same with archimedes same sort of idea those two cards i feel like really provided like you wanted to maybe call logos again then you could do some shenanigans with the running your creatures and getting them archived or using starterkin to reap and then draw a bunch of cards but again it still has that support underlying ability no matter how you look at it and i think if you if you think of a main house as like the house you want to call multiple times. There were a lot of cards in Logos that that didn't like that. That was its main strategy. Like just plain and simple, the card redacted. First time we saw that was in AOA, and mm-hmm. it's once you choose Logos as your active house, you put an amber on it, and then yeah. with four amber on it, you forge a key. So that's that, main house characteristics. Yeah, like your your Logos had to be your main house for that to be productive. Yep, that's very true. And then the idea of main house, I think, really kicked in when we went over to the Worlds Collide. Oh, yeah. You I've- got the bodies. You got the things that could stick. You could utilize. You had more reap effects that were really uh, out there that you wanted. It was kind of interesting. And the the leaders in yes. Worlds Collide, like the Logos leader was, in my opinion, the best leader. And in that case, like, having the because he had to be in the middle of the battle line for you to be able to draw two additional cards you you needed to keep putting creatures out and so if you did mm-hmm. have a lot of logos creatures you would then want to call logos a lot so it was just a self-fulfilling prophecy of being a main house if you had uh i'm not going to even attempt the name um Zenzi Zenzi Zenzik. Yes, Zenzi Zenzi Zenzik. <laughs> um if if you had that in your deck you really wanted logos to be your main house plus titan guardian i mean that existing where it could provide the taunt and then also be able to draw you cards potentially if it got destroyed it made you want to call logos because most likely you set that up where you put logos creatures on either side so that means you're gonna have three logos creatures unless they put some work in and if not then you're drawing cards so again though it still has the support aspect at all times though which is really interesting Mm -hmm. like as we're talking about this and i was thinking about this i'm like no matter how we try and like dance around these other things it still is always providing that strong support absolutely because it's also so based in in card draw and card mm-hmm. efficiency that like no matter no matter what set we're in it has its personality and that personality is support but the burst fell off in worlds collide as a result absolutely there were a lot less amber pips like it might yep. just be me but like i feel like i didn't get a lot of amber from just playing the cards and that is from a lot of returning cards as well but they just added mm-hmm. a lot less cards with amber pips yeah totally so that was interesting to see the burst dropped but the main went up and then the support is always present for sure and then mass- <laughs> and then yeah <laughs> i mean there, how do we look at mass mutations it's, there is no is other way to describe mass mutations logo in, in my opinion as other than as a support because if you got auto encoder in your deck you, you just, you used your logos, your whole logos house to discard cards, to get rid of cards, to like somehow just make your archive as big as possible and then burst or mm-hmm. main with two other houses. 
you could get a good board of mutants because I mean the mutants they had were not small like in the other. Like you had some pretty like four like a lot of four powered things. Sure. Which can stick around a little bit better. So you could call mutants. And if you had Torados, and it's again, it, Torados are basically creating that whole Stutterkin vibe again, except with mutants. And it wasn't just within that house. So it's but again, it's still support action. It's nothing but support. You know, I found that a lot of the a lot of the creatures in Mass Mutation were either very support or or kind of conditional. Like X mm. needed to be true to be able to do Y. Or yeah. like like some of my favorites, like Cumex, you'd archive it after you drew a card. So you'd keep using it, but it's just a cycle. And then yes. Kronos, so amazing. But again, like supporting the draw, like not just supporting, but like enhancing draw. And yes. it's making it so that like, you could do a lot more with cards, but even even the creatures, I think, just amplified the amount of support that they could provide. I would agree, 100%. Totally. And then I guess we go to Dark Tidings where we saw, I guess, a – I would call it a downfall for Logos. Sure, yeah. They, they're definitely not – they were not the bee's knees like they were in the last sets leading up until that point. And they had some cool things. Don't get me wrong. They they definitely had the burst thing, I think, a little bit more strong came in that one. We saw a resurgence of the burst. But I would say everything else was kind of really took a step backwards. Yeah. I think what I see a lot of in Dark Tidings is they try to do more. They tried to be able to – maybe do a li- little more creature control, a little more amber control. They tried to stretch themselves uh, uh, not too thin, but over more, like they weren't as The jack cohesive. of all trades is the master of nothing. Type yes, of totally. Yeah. And so like they're, this set like screams a lot less card efficiency. And so does a lot less with cards because a lot of its mechanics involve doing things with creatures or amber. So although it can be, I love that phrase, the jack of all trades, although it can be a jack of all trades, like that's not what you're looking for when you're looking for logos. No. And it was honestly, it was, it had its moments. And obviously with any key forge deck, the cards exist to make cool things and they can come together in a, in a neat way. But most of the time it was not overly amazing it was cool it did its thing it still had support vibes but not nearly as strong like it wasn't like always supporting and it just it just fell a little flat it did have some really cool things like don't get me wrong but definitely a step back from what we had seen in the previous sets i will say one of the most chained games i've ever played had mecha buoy in it because i that card's just annoying oh yeah Totally, because they like you have to take it back, and you don't really have to. But one amber over the course of a lot of time, especially if they're at yeah. five and they're going to forge, like you, you kind of do have to take it back at that point. Yeah. And so, one of the it's most chained games I ever played, because if you have logos, it's okay because you're probably going to draw more cards anyway. It it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, totally. Now, if we're going to look back at all the logos, what do you think is the strongest logos? Do you still think it's Coda? Uh, I don't want to say yes, but yes. <laughs> like, I think that a lot of the best cards from Coda continued on and and showed up later as well. But I think that the, the, the library access, like, time and then phase shift, just some of the iconic best Logos cards were in Coda. Fair. See, for me, I think it's Mass Mutation. I think it Ooh. provided the greatest... 
I guess, overall what I wanted to see. I think you could make an argument that Worlds Collide was the best, but I also think it's the most boring iteration of Logos because you don't really have to think. You just play the cards and it's going to do its stuff. And I know a lot of people dislike Worlds Collide as a set because it's it has this level of ease to to it in a way Mm. like it's just it's not as interesting there's not complex plays it's very straightforward which as a learning set i think is fantastic because you get all the mechanics introduced you can have crazy wild turns so it really showcases keyforge but i think as you go further in the game it can provide less interesting intricate plays and some people can get bored more easily playing that set and i've heard people say that interesting so i have i have a random opinion question for you so mass mutation Ultra Graviton, Gravitron. Do you think that is more of a main, a burst, or a support card as a as a ten power three armor creature with all its archive ability and and everything about it? It's which, the quintessential burst support. <gasps> Ooh, not a main. Because I think the arc, I think the archiving ability is what you want from it, and I don't really care what happens to it afterwards compared to the other ones. Interesting. Like Kong, you're going to call over and over again because you want to use it before all your apes are gone. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Ducilius, which it basically does an instant thing right away and then can keep being, you can call it over and over again. And it's going to get you the effects of being able to use board control and get Ember and all that sort of stuff. So it just it just has a more over, I find Ultra Graviton the most underwhelming of the three. Really? It's Yeah. It's the one that I, I most want to see. Controversial right? <laughs> if I'm going to see one of the three, I want Ultra Gravitron. But you're right. Like, if you archive the top five cards of your deck and you like those top five cards, you, you played two cards to archive five, whether it's a really cool creature, whatever you do with it next, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter as much. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that wraps up a fantastic double main burst support review of Untamed and Logos. But we cannot end an episode of Help from Future Self without the titular segment. Help from Future Self. Blake, what do you have for us today? Well, Sydney, I got to play some Sealed for the first time in about a month, and uh, we did some Dark Tidings. And when I opened my deck, I decided to use the BDQ main house support evaluation and whoo it worked out fantastic i had two houses with eight creatures and they were star alliance and dinos which is what you want to see and then i had a shadows house which didn't have a lot of creatures but had all these great steel effects so i could just go into that burst it actually had steel and board control at the same time so it was really nice to be able to do that and just call that house do a little bang, 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 get some ember, get some creatures off the board, and then go back into my main houses. But I was literally calling... Uh, it actually turned out that my my main house was the dinos because I had a Magistrus Vita, and then I had Diplomat Agung times three and two Vita. So I could literally just have those out and then basically utilize my whole star alliance with the Vita, and it just created this insane way where I was generating like seven Ember a turn, and I had so many creatures on the board that were big that if you didn't have a board wipe, I was just going over and over again, and it just was very oppressive. Sweet. So I I found that really leaning into not just being like, oh, just call whatever i i was like okay once i establish this board i just keep going like i don't stop until it's answered i just keep calling and i'll just hold my hand like it was like i think uh one game where i didn't play any cards for three turns because i just 
just kept utilizing the board so strongly that it was very unnecessary. That is it awesome. Was, uh, it was cool. So next time you play sealed, really take a look at uh, where it is. And it's generally where you have the most creatures is where you're going to go. And if you can have some synergy between two houses in that way that I found with obviously Star Alliance, um, it just created a really great way of doing stuff. The, the deck was very synergized, though. Like everything really played well into one another. And it was it was a really fun thing to play. Like there was um, the Vita into a gong. And then I also had the console primus. So then after I put the ember, you have to exalt and then you can use the creature to reap. It's basically I would then use the console primus and then reap with that to move the ember onto my opponent's side. So it was this really nice little engine I had going there, which I haven't seen in a while. And I'm super excited to keep playing that deck. I think it's my highest rated Dark Tidings deck. It ranked at a 77 sass and it just played really nicely. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. Yeah, it was great. Sweet. Well, as always, we are on Discord, and I am SC Steel on Discord and TCO. Blake, where can people find you? You can find me on Discord as well, Boulevard Blake, number sign 3840. That's BLVD Blake, number sign 3840. And get into the Help from Future Self Discord if you wish to talk about anything going on in these episodes or contribute to maybe future episodes once we wrap up this series. Fantastic. Well, we will be back next week with another episode of Help from Future Self. Until then, stay fortunate.